When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back, and this is the HTML All The Things Podcast. This episode is titled... Do you need to learn TypeScript in 2023? Now, I personally have never, I never used TypeScript, but I, all my TypeScript experience is quite literally from Mike complaining about it on Twitter. Mike, just answer the question briefly before the, the conclusion of the intro, if you will. Do you need to learn TypeScript in 2023? One word answer. Yes. Okay. But anyway... If this sounds insane to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon, leave a review, rating on your podcast app. Join us in our Discord server or share this with your friends. And before we start the show, as we always do now, we do our position of the week. Mike, I don't know if you're ready because I just realized we didn't discuss it before. Are you ready with a, uh, are you type scripter of the week? Script typer of the week. Uh, okay, so my week position, my weekly position, I think would be something like, uh, being distracted like I am Mike being distracted this week so I've had a lot of issues with focus I think this week uh, or like the, the week before obviously uh, where I would go on kind of a little bit of deep working and then all of a sudden I would get derailed and I would go on a little bit of more deep work and I would get derailed I just didn't get the amount of focus that I needed uh, so I got to work on that this week that's kind of it's kind of a negative one but it happens sometimes so I'm actually kind of in the same boat and I was going to call it like Project Wrangler or something for my own uh, position of the week. And the reason why I was going to say this is similar to what you were saying, where you, know, you keep getting distracted by things, but there's a lot seemingly to get distracted by. We're moving some people over to GA4 from UA, which is a Google Analytics new version. And you do have to do a bit of a manual migration there. So that is one thing that, that we have to do. But then there's also I don't know there's a whole bunch of stuff like it's it's a pretty weird like sort of time I guess it's the springtime and a bunch of the flowers are blooming and so are the different things that need to be done a whole bunch of projects are sort of wake, waking up and people are uh, meaning clients are ready to do things and so I'm kind of running around helping them with stuff and helping them plan for future things and it's just been a lot of like answer the phone answer some questions now task switch rinse repeat over and over again so it's been a little bit crazy but let's get to this episode. First, first topic here is what is TypeScript? Mike, please enlighten us as to what TypeScript is. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I'm obviously facetiously saying the yes comment there when you asked, do you really need to learn TypeScript in 2023? In a one word answer, like, yeah, yes would be the right one, but there are some caveats and I'll get to them a little bit later in the show. So don't freak out if you don't know TypeScript and you have no plan, no plan to learn it in certain situations. That's perfectly fine. Uh, there's plenty of people out there, you know, that have side hustles and businesses. Uh, where they develop sites and they don't use JavaScript and it, or they don't use TypeScript, sorry, and they're perfectly fine. So it's not for everyone. But overall, there are a lot of instances where it will come in handy. And uh, just to jump in right away, what is TypeScript? 
And the first thing is, it's a way to add static types, classes, and interfaces to JavaScript. So JavaScript itself is not a strongly typed language. As we know, when we're learning JavaScript, when we declare a variable, we don't declare what that variable type will be. A var a can be anything, a string, a uh, an array, an object, a number, a Boolean, whatever. We don't care in JavaScript. We just assign stuff to it and we go at it, right? So what happens is, is that when the code, code space gets really big, when there's a lot of files back and forth, it just becomes a little bit more difficult to understand what I need to assign to what variable, right? So if you have a num, if you have a variable that's like, uh, is extension or something like that, that could be any kind of variable. It could be a string. It could be a, a, an object, a structured object. It could be a class, whatever. But we don't know that without having to go in and jump through a bunch of different files in our JavaScript project. Right. So you have to go and find where it's declared and then see what is being declared, see if it's ever declared again anywhere in the project. So because with JavaScript, you can literally assign the same variable, a, uh, a Boolean, a string. You can assign it to anything all the way throughout your code base. Right. It can be the same variable, but many different things. So that could lead to a lot of issues, especially with maintainability. Um, but it also has a, a lot of different other kind of benefits once you start typing. In traditional programming, so when you're talking object-oriented programming, when you're talking really any programming that you do other than JavaScript and maybe Python, uh, most languages are strongly typed. And strongly typed languages have the benefit of you know it when you're reading code, you know exactly what a variable, a function, a return value is supposed to be. Okay. Um, and not only do you know it by just reading it, a lot of times you'll know it through the autocomplete tooling of your development tool. So an IDE like your VS Code, when you enable TypeScript, will do a lot of inferring for you and type management just by hovering over different variables. So if you have the same variable that you're using across multiple files even, you can hover over that variable in any file and you'll see what it's assigned to. Okay, you don't have to jump from file to file. Uh, you don't have to do anything. You can literally just hover over it. And a lot of times you can even just, you know, command click or control click on that variable and you can, it'll take you directly to where it was assigned. Okay, sometimes there's a little bit of an issue if there's a separate uh, d.types file, the TypeScript file, it will take you to the types file instead of the actual assignment. Um, so there's a little bit of controversy there in the TypeScript space, but overall, it's a really, really cool feature where you could just jump to where it's, where it's assigned and where it's declared, uh, and know exactly what that type is and know exactly what that variable needs to be. Okay. So the benefit, the benefits are that you can catch code errors at compile time, right? With JavaScript, a lot of your issues are going to come with the fact that, uh, that unless the JavaScript actually runs in the browser, so someone clicks and runs a function or it's initialized on DOM content load, it's even if there's an error there, nothing's going to happen. So you can deploy a project and have a bunch of errors in there from either mis misassigned variables or misassigned functions, whatever, and nothing's going to happen until someone hits that error. Okay. With compile time catching, before you even deploy or even after you save or even after you're typing it, it'll automatically catch that, hey, you have committed an error here. There's going to be a red squiggly line under whatever error you've committed. So you've, let's say you're trying to assign an object and the object has a, you know, two properties. One is a name and the next one is a last name. And the third, and then you're trying to assign a third property to that, to that object. 
Okay. In JavaScript, it'll just let you do that. It won't care. In TypeScript, it'll add a red squiggly under the third property. Maybe it's age, whatever you want it to assign and say that, hey, this doesn't exist on that. You can't assign this. And then so you can go back and edit your intro, your class, your type, whatever, and then add that. And it, it'll catch that issue before it goes to production. Okay. That's a huge benefit. And as you get more complex, as your code becomes more sophisticated, you're going to need this kind of stuff. A lot of developer tooling now for VS Code, for whatever ID you use, is developed with TypeScript in mind. So again, the jump, jump to, uh, jump to declaration and the ability to just hover over and see what a type is, uh, the ability to autocomplete. So that you press dot or control space or command space as you're typing and it'll try to give you suggestions on the actual items that are in that object. So if for a, a person, again, if you have that one object as a person and has a first name and a last name and only those two things, when you press person dot, it'll show you those two properties right away. So you could just go up and down error and select the right ones. You don't have to guess what first name is spelled with a capital or not, a, or a first name is a capital first and second name, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's literally there for you as you press dot or control dot or space dot, whatever. It's It becomes this system that will assist you with programming rather than a system that fights you. There are caveats to that. Now, I, I do have a question really quick. So... You had, you had mentioned, for example, that if you wanted to, say, declare a variable that you thought was unique, and we'll just call it num1. So you want to declare num1 in regular JavaScript, no TypeScript involved. Normally, you would have to check through your script uh, and check through multiple scripts, potentially, depending on how complex the program is, in order to see if num1 has been declared before because you don't want some sort of conflict. Uh, and that, uh, as far as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong at any point, that you can say have a num one that is uh, a class with TypeScript and then have a num one that is uh, like an interface or something, like, whatever it is, like your diff- the different types. So num one, num one. Isn't it still bad form to have two things be num one, but different types because it could garner confusion? Is that still considered bad practice? It's just that it will work with TypeScript? No. Uh, so in a global in the global space, uh, you can't have two variables with the same name. It'll still conflict right. even with TypeScript. Um, okay. Where that becomes less of an issue is when you're doing locally, right? So when like num1 and num2, that's typically something you would declare inside of like a local function. Mm-hmm. You're adding two numbers, right? So you have maybe five different functions for different math operations, add, divide, whatever. Then it makes sense to have multiple variables called num1, num2. So in each one of those functions, you'll have a local variable, local variables called num1, num2, but they don't clash because they're locally scoped inside the function. And that's not, that's not a TypeScript thing. That's just like a standard JavaScript thing. In general, like having two of the same variable, regardless of it's an interface or a type or whatever, you don't want to have them be the exact same name. With types, usually when you declare a type, you declare it using, uh, what is that? case uh it's not camel case but it's the one where it's a capital on both the first second and third word like you start with a capital when you're declaring a type so I, that's I call another it initial differentiator. Caps. i don't know what it's called but yeah yeah i can't remember what it's called we can look it up on wikipedia anyway it doesn't matter so it, it you, you always use capitals starting from the first word when you're declaring a type now this is just preference and just uh, standards that people do 
that you don't have to. Like, it's not something that TypeScript will say, like, oh, you can't declare it without a capital. But that's what kind of differentiates it for you when you're reading. So you can see easily, like, okay, this one's a capital. That means it's declared as a type. This one's not a capital. It means it's declared as not a type. Like, you can have form data with a lowercase f. And that will be like, oh, you're returning form data from like a regular form on your HTML website. Uh, and you can have form data as in like the what's the what's the type of your form? You know, like what's inside of your form? And so the form data that's a type would be capital F-O-R-M, capital D-A-D-A, A-D-T or whatever, A-T-A. Um, and then you would, again, lowercase for the uh, the actual variable. So that's how we differentiate types. Um, and again, it's different from project to project, but Usually it's that. If we were to just, I know we're going to get into more, obviously, TypeScript basics and stuff. But like someone, if, if someone, let's say, has a, a JavaScript project, a vanilla, vanilla JavaScript project, and they obviously have a bunch of global variables, they have a bunch of local variables. And we just kind of discussed how a lot of the local variables will be, you already mentioned an example. Another example that came to my mind was in like a for loop, like the for i, like the var, like for var equals i or whatever. Um and then you can start your count for your for loop in there. Let's just say someone has, you know, a program like this, vanilla JavaScript, whatever. What is the benefit or is there a benefit for them to bring it into TypeScript? Because it, as far as I understand, just as a, just as a synopsis, I understand, we're like I said, we're going to get into the details. But I, the way I always understood TypeScript from afar was that it was a it was something that allowed you to um, ensure there weren't many uh errors in your code you mentioned the compiling but errors in your code in that very um with uh javascript it gets kind of messy where you can have like a var equals one and you're not saying it's like necessarily an integer for example uh and then you could also have like you know var whatever name is equal to like hello and then that's a string but you're not explicitly saying it's a string whereas in many other programming languages to say like hey not, not var you'd say like string equals this or whatever so is it just purely to add that sort of siloing to it so that you can't accidentally write an integer as a number into a, into a string? Those type of interactions you, you don't want to happen because those can obviously cause errors or what is the, the, like the sort of brief synopsis as to why you would add this on? Because it sounds like it's adding a lot of complexity potentially some confusion, but it also sounds like it's trying to clear up some confusion. You're absolutely right uh, in the sense that it is going to add some complexity and some confusion. But the good thing about TypeScript is it's not like when you add it to your code base, it doesn't mean that every little thing that you do has to be fully typed at all times. It's You can progressively add it and progressively learn it. And this is how I recommend learning TypeScript where like you don't go strict right away. So in the TypeScript configuration, you can add strict. And then like, no matter what you do, you have to add types for every single thing. You can't have an any type, and we'll get into that in a second. But you can't have like generic types where you don't know what it is, essentially JavaScript, right? Um, but I would recommend not doing that initially when you're learning TypeScript and just using it when you think it makes sense. And And automatically benefiting from all the other stuff that you don't have to actually set up yourself. So inference, and we'll again, we'll dive into that a little bit soon, but inference will allow you to essentially any function that you take from, let's say, a package that you download, if it has types associated with it, and most NPM packages at this point have types, and you import like get document from that 
pack, whatever package you, uh, you download. It'll tell you while, while hovering over, just if you have TypeScript enabled, what you need to, like, what variables you need to put in to get what doc, to get the documents. So it'll be like, when you hover over, it'll have uh, indicators there saying like, hey, the first variable here is uh, called URL and it's a string. And then there's a comma in in like uh, object quotations or object curly brackets. It'll be optional options. And then it'll show you all the options you can add without having to dive into the documentation. So it allows you to stay in the code editor and get a bunch of contextual information about the, the stuff that you're doing. And the stuff that you're like declaring and even, okay, let's get into inference even more. You don't have to set like num a or var a is equal to uh, var a colon number is equal to one. Okay. You don't have to do that to get the benefit of TypeScript. You can go var a equals one. And whenever you're going to use var, if you have TypeScript enabled var a, right, whenever you're going to use a, it will automatically infer that, hey, since you've already declared it and assigned it a value of one, a number, it's a one. That means that, that means that this variable can only be assigned a number. So that's what inference is. And this is where, like, honestly, for me, that's where I was like, oh, TypeScript is a good thing. Inference is what makes TypeScript a good thing because I don't have to tediously go through every single declaration of my variables and assign it a exact type when I can just initially assign it a value, right? If you initially assign it a value of anything, like even if it's an object, it'll automatically take that and, and infer it as its type throughout your entire code base. And that's all, that's as soon as you enable TypeScript, okay? So this is not like a thing that you have to uh, add into TypeScript. This is, this comes inherently with TypeScript. So that's, where I think it benefits almost any project to enable it, okay? It just because you don't have to use it to the nth degree, like you don't have to make sure everything is super complexly typed because you can get into like, TypeScript is like a whole other programming language that gets extremely complex. We're not going to cover everything here because it gets wild. Like the, when people go like fully to the nth degree of like everything has to be perfectly typed across every single little thing, right? They, they start writing logic around your types that can make your code 10 times more complex than it actually is. And I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that kind of mentality. Yes, it can be beneficial down the line when you're 10 years coming back into a project and you have every little thing perfectly typed. It's good. But if you're spending almost as much time as uh, you are developing, as you are writing types, then it's becoming an issue, like a serious issue. TypeScript should not be in the way. It should be part of the process. And it should not be a chunk of the process. It should be just a small part. And, you know, that that's, again, it took me a while to wrap my head around it, where I had the exact same thoughts as you did, Matt, where, like, do, for a small project, do I really need it? Like, what's the point? Like, it's just, you know, I can just read it up to, top to bottom. But as soon as you start importing something from a different file or a package, you start seeing the benefits and you never want to go away from it. So I, I, I from what you said, I have like a couple of thoughts. And the first thought is, does, this sounds more like it's a tool to help you program, but it's not programmatically beneficial. Is that correct or incorrect? Because it sounds more yeah. like you're getting a lot of benefit as the developer inside of, say, a VS code, 
where it's going to suggest that URL uh, variable, like you yep. said, because it knows that you don't want li- like num1 because num1 is more than likely an integer mm-hmm. or some sort of number. So, okay, so there's that. So it is more of a more of a programmer's tool. It's less of yes. a programmatic assistance because I, I suppose that makes sense because you still need to compile it down to JavaScript for the browser. Yep. And then my I guess my second question then yeah it's still it's still valid I was thinking maybe it was not but is TypeScript something that needs to be introduced early or is it something that you won't see the benefits of until you understand a lot of JavaScript and when I mean early I mean if someone is learning JavaScript they're learning what, just what a variable is even they may not have programmed in any sort of language at all is there a benefit to them jumping in early or even initially into TypeScript? I kind of, I kind of think there isn't. It doesn't sound like there is. So this one's a tough one. So in my opinion, um, it will really depend on the person learning and where they're coming from, what their background is. If a person's coming from a traditional schooling background where they went through their typical C-sharp training or Java or whatever, like usually you're learning those object-oriented programming languages, and they're switching over to web development from a traditional object-oriented programming language, I think it makes sense to immediately jump into TypeScript. So I think I don't think there's if, ands, or buts because you're going to be utilizing the almost the exact same principles that you learned from your those older program or not older, but those more traditional programming languages inside of JavaScript, and it's going to make your transition into a dynamically typed language, obviously, to a statically typed language, much easier. Okay, static to static, static to dynamic is a very jarring thing. The the thing you hear where, like, developers hate JavaScript is usually people coming into it from a different language and having to deal with the dynamic typing. Now, for us, dynamic typing, because this is the language that we kind of learn most on, right? Like obviously we had a little bit of uh, interaction with C and stuff like that, but we learned in depth JavaScript the most. For us, dynamic typing was kind of cool even. I kind of liked it, right? Like it wasn't as rigid, like you can learn a little bit quicker. It made a lot, like it, it made a lot of sense to us at the time, especially when you're building small applications, when you're just learning. Um, so that's that's where we're, our mindset was. But for a person that's traditionally been in Java for three years or four years, coming in is jarring. Like it's jarring not being able to see what the variable is going to be at the end of the code or mm. what the return type of this function is. Like how are you, how are you know what it's going to return? Like this function is not even written in my code base. It's written in a package. How am I supposed to know what it's returning? I have to go to the documentation. To them, that's jarring because for them, they always hovered over and been like, okay, I know exactly where that is. So that's the disconnect here. So from a traditional language, to JavaScript, learn TypeScript right away, in my opinion. Just go right into TypeScript. It becomes a lot murkier when you're just – JavaScript is your first programming language. Well, because you and I, like, preach preach the three pillars of learning the vanilla HTML, CSS, JS. And I think that it's still – or maybe it's a little bit different when we're talking about someone that has been a programmer, uh, especially if they've been a programmer for a while in one of these uh, object-oriented programming languages, like your C-sharp or whatever – and they come over, I would still say that we would still preach, learn your HTML, your CSS, and your JS. Um, but maybe it should be in that particular context, learn your HTML, your CSS, and then your JavaScript plus TypeScript. It mm-hmm. almost sounds like it would help them 
which is very sort of specific because even though they're coming from a programming background, learning HTML, CSS and that is probably going to be probably not always going to be easier on them because they're going to understand even just moving the files around, you know, and having multiple files and linking files together and stuff like that is something that an absolute beginner struggles with. Um, and so they might rip through the HTML and the CSS and rip through even vanilla JS if they go that route. But they might struggle with JS unless the TypeScript is there. Yes. Interesting. That's, that's that's where it could be a really beneficial. And again, coming from a no programming background, diving in, and that's where it becomes a little bit murky. I can see there being a benefit to going right to TypeScript, but I can also see it being a very hard barrier to cross. Like, especially if someone, let's say, has already tried learning multiple languages and they've had issues learning like C Sharp or Java, and they're having success learning JavaScript, right? To just go from JavaScript straight to TypeScript then, uh, just because we tell you to and it's a good idea or whatever, it, it's, it's, it might be a detrimental thing for you because you might hit that barrier again the same way you hit it with Java and C Sharp because you just don't like having that, oh, that object oriented principle on top of everything else is more difficult to learn. Is it beneficial? Probably. Like if you can learn it, if you have the capacity, if you have the interest, it might be worthwhile to, you know, dabble in TypeScript. And again, I, I, you can always incrementally add different features of TypeScript as you're working in the, in it, right? You don't have to all of a sudden write all of your types perfectly. That's the benefit of TypeScript right now is like, it's not benefit and detriment actually. And I'll get into that too, but you don't have to strictly adhere to every TypeScript principle. So you can just, you know, use it as you want. But with that, I think let's get into the TypeScript basics. We've already talked about type inference. So that's one of the most important ones, I would say. But while we're going to go back to the very basic one, which is just static typing. So JavaScript uses dynamic typing where a variable can be set to any type, a string, a number, a Boolean, a function, and it can be reset to a different type as you're, as you're coding. TypeScript has the ability to set a variable to what it should be and then prevent you from setting it to a different type further on your code. So when you're declaring a uh, num a, you put a colon sign with a number after it, like, sorry, not a number, but number, the actual word number. And then when you, you can, when it's instantiated like that, it'll always be assumed that it will be a number, right? So when you're writing below, like you're using num a for a different, uh, something that's, you know, glo it's num a is globally scoped. You're using it anywhere in your project after that. If you try to type in a string like hello, it's going to give you an error. It's going to give you the red squiggly. And you can hover over that error and it'll tell you exactly what the error is. Hey, this num a is supposed to be a number. So that's static typing to the end, like the basic version of it. You know, there's different types of, of types, number, Boolean, array, uh, string. There's many, many different ones. I'm not going to name them all here because there's no point for a podcast. If you're interested in it, I will be linking some courses that I recommend everyone takes. Uh, Matt Pocock, I think his name is, has some of the best ones, but I'll link them in the description and show notes. For one brief moment, I thought you were putting me on the spot, and I was like, I... Matt has all the courses. Yeah, Matt <laughs> Matt Lawrence has all the courses. Um, TypeScript is spelled <laughs> T-Y, like just really draw out the... <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh but yeah, and also a variable can have multiple types, and this is called an intersection. So an intersection is when you put a line in between the types that you that a variable can be. A lot of times, this is usually like a string line up and down like a pipe, undefined, 
So this variable can sometimes be undefined and sometimes a string. Okay. It can't be anything else, but it can be one of those two things. This could be useful when you're doing something like showing or hiding something. Like if there's, if it's undefined, hide it. If there's something in it, show it, stuff like that. And lastly here for static typing, a type can be of type any. Now this one is interesting. Like this is our crutch. Okay. When we're learning TypeScript, if we can't figure out what the type should be, we put a type any. Do you want to ever use this in a production app or anything like that other than learning? No. There should, there's a lot of rules that you can set inside of your TypeScript configuration file. One of those is no any. And that should be a pretty strict rule you follow when you're in a production situation, when you're working for a company. When you're learning and you're trying to just get by and learn how everything works, it's okay to put an any here and there. Try not to rely on it as much, okay? Because again, when you put a type any, you're bringing it back to, to JavaScript. That's immediately how it's interpreted. I was about to tell you, like, I can already see myself in a situation where somebody needs a quick Band-Aid and, you and put I'm, use, I'm using that any right away. Like, r- yep. not even a question. Right away, yep. going going right for any. <laughs> and and the, the reality is that a lot of people still do that, right? So that, that tool is available for you if you're in that, like, I have to get this done immediately kind of thing. But, you know. Best practices and all, don't use any. So let me let me ask you a question here then. So give me a, a, a type, like a number is an example of a type, right? That we can declare. Okay, so a number. Uh, a number can include like a decimal. Is that okay? Is it only integers, like whole numbers? Like what is it? Like can it be like 1.1? Can, can it only be one? Yeah, can it, it be can negative? be floats, integers. It can be either or. Okay, so – what happens if I try to, let's just say it's like you have an example here written down the show notes. Let's say num a. Um, let's just say I try to set num a at some point. Let's just say it's globally declared. And I try to set num a at some point to the word hello. Does it error out right away? That's when I get my red squiggle. It knows, hey, you can't do this. And it knows this pre-compiling. Yes. So, okay. Couple different things. You can have, again, in your TypeScript configuration, you can have a strict, you can have a JavaScript. Like there's many different configurations in your TypeScript configuration where mm-hmm. at base, if you let's say you don't have a strict applied, okay, it will give you a red squiggle. Your file will be in error. So your file will have like a red name on top. And so you'll know that there's an error in this file. It won't prevent your application from running. So I can still compile it and then put it in the browser Absolutely. and the application will run, assuming that. It's supposed to be hello and like my my, pro- my programmatic logic is correct. Correct. Okay. That is correct. So your, your application will run. If you have a strict in your TypeScript configuration, your application will not run. Not run. Okay. okay. It will not let you run or compile uh, with an error in any part of your code. Now you can – this is another crutch. You can have a comment with a TS ignore. So there's comments that you can add that will ignore like a next line. So sometimes you just, you can't figure out how to do it. Like you can't figure out how to fix this red squiggly and it's working for you. You can see that it's working without a strict, right? Maybe it's something to do with the library that you're using. Maybe it's something to do with your TypeScript compiler just broken and like that happens, right? So sometimes you just gotta, like you're gonna have to ignore the next line. Usually you wanna put like why you're ignoring it in that same comment so that next time you, you can come back and try to fix it when you have time. But that is another crutch that you can use and another thing that you can kind of bypass the TypeScript strict compile. Hmm. So 
we talked about the different sort of tiers where it's like, hey, you can use any in learning. We don't recommend you use it in production. Um, what is your recommendation for a production app, but specifically for a newbie? Is having it set like the like the preferences, I suppose you could say the TypeScript preferences, should that still be st- set to strict? Or because it's a newbie and we're talking about a learning app, this isn't somebody doing a serious app. They're maybe doing a portfolio project and 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 it's in quote unquote production, you know what I mean? Where the public can access it and look at it, but it's not processing any sort of critical information and yada, yada. Is it like, should it be strict and should they be really hammering home like, no, do it correctly? Or should it be more of a acknowledge that, like you said, you could put the comment and say, hey, I ignored this squiggle or whatever. And then... I would say when you're learning TypeScript, uh, you don't need the strict there for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I would like if it's a portfolio project that it's your first or second TypeScript project, uh, you don't particularly need that strict. But as you become more serious, as you're trying to level up your career in in uh, web development, adding that strict there can force you to kind of dive into the nitty gritty. And diving into the nitty gritty can be good. But again, it has to be this balance. Like I'm very much against having a TypeScript developer that writes TypeScript types half the day. And there are people out there that do that. That is a thing that happens. Like you can, types can get so got so complicated that it becomes its own programming language. Like just trying to type a really complex structure can become a very complex task. And Especially if you're like against inference, because some type, some TypeScript developers don't want, like, need everything statically typed. They don't believe in type inference. And there are certain reasons for that. And I get some of them. But again, speed is part of the equation here. Like writing your code faster is part of the equation. It shouldn't always be like, Hey, I like there has to be a balance between being perfectly composable, perfect, perfectly typed code and, you know, spending days and days and days writing types. Uh, to make it so that everything is perfectly statically typed and it's super clear what everything is as soon as you read it at the top of a file, well, even without having to hover. Like some people are like, I, I can't, I can't allow you to hover. Like people should be able to read it on every single line that w- what the type is. And that's to me, that's crazy. So, okay. So that inefficiency that you're talking about where you can get into a complex situation in which literally every single thing that the person is doing that day the programmer is doing that day is writing types and messing with the TypeScript. Let's say the TypeScript logistics of it. Is that an inefficiency because JavaScript itself doesn't have this typing and TypeScript is over top? Or is this something that would occur? And maybe you don't have the answer because we don't work in these other other object oriented languages. But is this something that you've heard of or you've seen even yourself where someone working in like a C sharp or something do they have programmers and enter in or have these situations in which there's, there's a a complex typing problem or a complex typing uh, task that needs to be done. And it's literally half the day they're typing. So I guess my question is, is like with JavaScript talking vanilla, you don't have to, you don't have that, that um, mechanism at all, right? You don't, you don't don't have that mechanism. Uh, You just, that's it. But with TypeScript, you have that mechanism. So is, is the question that, because we're used to just going with JavaScript, vanilla JavaScript, we're used to just accelerating that having somebody mess with typing for a long time sounds ridiculous. Or is it quite literally that the other object oriented programs 
uh, programming languages, they, they have types and they don't have complex typing problems like this. And that it's only because we're, for lack of a better way of saying it, tacking on TypeScript onto vanilla JavaScript that we have these serious problems. It's a good question. A really good question. Um, I know for sure that these pro- object-oriented programming languages have these issues. Uh, they probably aren't to the same degree as TypeScript because, like you said, it is tacking on. There aren't. It's not a one-to-one copy. It's not perfect uh, of these like strongly typed languages that have it built in to the compiler. Um, so there is some added complexity because of that. It has gotten a ton better, right? But I've personally been in a situation where I was writing, I believe it was Java, and I spent several hours working on typing issues. So that is a thing that happens in those object-oriented programming languages that you can't get around. In JavaScript, you can. So that is a difference that, like, you know, for me, that was a kind of a bonus of JavaScript. And it's still a bonus in TypeScript because, again, you're not forced to do all these things. Like, you can technically still write those ignore statements. You can still use any's. Um, you can do that kind of stuff to just get through the issues that you're having. Because sometimes for me, uh, if I get stuck on a typing issue for like six hours and I can't get, I can't even test the logic that I've written, uh, that can be a demotivating factor for me. So I'll go and I'll make sure that the logic works and I'll be happy with the logic and that'll motivate me to finish the typing. You know what I mean? So like, I like the flexibility personally. Some people hate it. Some people will say that TypeScript is not adding static types to JavaScript because of the flexibility that it allows, right? And I I mean, again, you can agree with that because it's true. Like you don't have to use it. Even if you are using it, you don't have to abide by its rules. You have the configuration file. It's yours to change. And even if you're working in a project, you have ignore statements and any statement. Like there's so many ways to get around the rules that it feels like it's not strongly typed. So, I was going to say, like, if there's if there's more than just like, <laughs> hey, I need a quick Band-Aid way around this yeah. thing with the any as an example. Mm-hmm. If there's more than that, and it sounds like it's very easy to get to allow yourself to get out of this. Yes. This is very bizarre. Do we do we see any indication or do you estimate maybe that in the next version of JavaScript or as JavaScript evolves as a language? Do you see them adding anything from TypeScript? Because this does yes. seem to be a very uh, controversial, I guess you could say, topic. Do you think that they would do something like that? Not that they would. They are. They there are. Is, okay. Yeah, there is some TypeScript typing coming into JavaScript in the next version of JavaScript. Um, I don't have the details for you right now. I, sh- I should have actually put them in the docs. Uh, maybe I'll tweet it out. So just, you know, follow us on Twitter and HTML, everything, and I'll get it out there for you. But there is actual TypeScript types coming in now. These are, again, more compiler types than runtime types. They're going to help you just kind of transition to type typing in when you're actually running, it's not going to be runtime typed or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They're going to take the types that you write in your code and convert them to comments in your like built code. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it'll be automatic in the browser. Like this isn't something you have to compile to do. It'll automatically switch that inside the browser while when it's rendering your page. Okay. So there is going to be some TypeScript stuff inside of JavaScript that is pretty much a fact now. Um, it's not going to be super static typing, but it is going to be a step towards that direction. 
because I was going to say as well is they can't just all of a sudden be like, okay, we're bundling TypeScript in with JavaScript. By the way, every single little tiny JavaScript <laughs> script that's ever been written anywhere, of which many of them are vanilla because obviously JavaScript is everywhere if, and they do complex, it does complex things, but there are probably millions, if not billions of little scripts that just quickly change a class or something in like a WordPress where it's like, hey, I don't want to get a whole new theme. This class is messing up. I'll just write a little JS to like quickly band-aid this little problem there's probably millions if not again billions of, of of examples like that that would then get completely shut off because it'd be no no this has to be typed and it would be that would be a disaster yes that would be 100 percent a disaster and it's not going to happen like i i don't see that ever happening i don't think we'll ever transition to a purely statically runtime and compile time language um but it's it, again i think there will be movement towards that direction but never like a hard a hard cut because like you said, most applications, even ones that are like very heavy on the TypeScript and very TypeScript oriented are going to have some issues. Like they're going to have some of those ignore statements. They're going to have some, they're going to have some ennies as the project gets bigger and bigger. As stuff happens, you're going to have situations where you have to get around it. Um, it's unfortunate, but that's the reality. And again, for my mind, TypeScript gives a lot of benefits to the developer experience and it doesn't lock you into that. Like I need to spend hours and hours and hours on typing everything mentality, like an object oriented programming language do do. I'm sure a lot of people will flame me for that. I don't care. Like I like the dynamic. I like the ability to have that kind of flexibility. All right, moving on. The next thing with TypeScript basics that we're going to talk about is interfaces and classes. So these are coming directly from object-oriented principles. They're pretty much copy-pasted from something like C-sharp. Um, and we'll go into interfaces first. They're a little bit less used, uh, a little bit more looked down upon for whatever reason, but they are obviously a less functional version of classes. Interfaces allow you to shape your objects and then allow you to like extend or merge your different objects, your different interfaces. So an example here is you can have an interface with a per, an interface person with a first name string and a last name string. And then you can take that interface person, you can create an interface athlete that inherits person. So the athlete will have both first name and last name, but it will also get like whatever you declare. So height, number, and a sport string, right? So that athlete will have everything from a person as well as everything from a the athlete that you declare. So that's kind of interfaces. They're a little bit limited in that sense where you, if you need more functionality, if you need more composability, some more uh, reusability, uh, classes are where you want to go. So classes kind of have the same things as interfaces, but also allow you to create constructors and methods inside them. So a constructor, like a class car, for instance, might have properties of make model year. And instead of just setting new car with make model year or anything like that, or like setting your car to make model year dot make dot model dot year, you can create a constructor um, function called constructor literally and take in whatever you need to take in. So inside the, the brackets, it'll be a make a model a year. The year will be a number, the model will be a string, the make will be a string. And then when you're creating a new car, so let my car, for instance, is equal to new, literally the keyword new, car, the name of your class, in the brackets, you'll write like Toyota, comma, Corolla, comma, 2022. So then you're making a 22 Corolla as a, ob as a object stored in a variable called my car, right? 
And if let's say you need to start an engine for whatever reason, maybe it's a game that you're constructing. So like it's a, this is a part of a game and you're one of your functions inside that class car is start engine. You can literally declare start engine with bracket bracket and then squiggly bracket and do whatever you want to start your engine in there, like a regular function. Maybe use some of your make model year, any properties that you have using the this uh, keyword. And then you can call your like my car dot start engine and it'll run all that code for you specifically out of that car class. You can do a lot of that with just regular JS too, obviously. Like there is a constructor in just vanilla JS as well. But this is just to clarify, this is specifically now you're typing the stuff. Like you're typing, oh, okay, like the make and model are strings. Yep. The uh I don't know, the size of engine in liters is an integer or is a number or whatever it is. Okay. And it won't let you create the car unless you put the right things inside of it, right? Like so in a regular JavaScript class, you can have you can ask for make model and year, but the person can go and put let my car and put like uh five different parameters or just one parameter in there. Or put and the year of the car well, accidentally, right? Something yeah, like that. Put the year of the car first or whatever. This one, like when you're putting in new car and put the brackets, it'll autocomplete like, hey, this is what you need. So it'll autofill. Or not autofill, but let you know what you actually need to put in there. Uh, yeah, so that's that's for interfaces and classes. Useful, but I wouldn't, for me, I don't overuse them too much. Like if I need them for like in a game or in like a specific scenario, I will use them. Uh, but I don't go out of my way to make everything an object in a class in, this, in, in the way that object-oriented programming would. So I don't bring in object-oriented programming into my functional application just because I need, I can. I use it when it makes sense. Next thing here is generics. So these are where it gets a little bit more complicated. I don't have a ton of experience with generics, but essentially these are reusable components inside of TypeScript that can work over a variety of types and maintain type safety. So instead of having to write, you know, one type for each and every type of array that you could possibly have, you can write a generic type for an array and then inside that generic, you can, or you can use that generic on any type. So if an array stores strings, numbers, other objects inside of it, you can kind of reuse a generic to type that array. I, I, I have a hard time explaining this one. This one is like very much a visual, um, there's something you need to see and actually use to be able to understand it. There's a lot of syntax involved in a generic type creation. But imagine that an array that, that you, you need a, a type safe way to instantiate an array and then be able to call its like first element of an array, right? Like be able to return the first element. With a generic, you're able to do that in a way that is works across any array types. Okay. That's where you would kind of start using it is when you need to reuse a typed uh, object across many different or, or array types that you don't even know will be used. Like if you're storing many different things in an array, then a generic is something you have to use, right? Next thing here is, well, we talked about type inference, so I'll skip that one. But uh, the TypeScript compiler, I just want to touch on that really quickly. Uh, since types, TypeScript is not understood by the browser, it needs to be compiled from TypeScript to JavaScript. During that compile time, that's where you're going to get all those errors, the red squigglies, the file errors, everything. And it continually runs in the background. So the TypeScript compiler can 
like as you're typing, why you can see the uh, autocompletes is because it's continually running and scanning your document. Okay. And it can be configured. We mentioned this many times with how you can configure with the strict mode and the any's in a tsconfig.json file. So you can configure how the TypeScript compiler runs, which files it runs on, when it should run, all of that inside of that configuration file. There's tons of things you can do in there. Uh, so you have a lot of control over this. And one caveat that I want to say uh, with TypeScript, I've noticed that if you're doing like a, a full stack application, backend, frontend, a lot of times there might be some out of sync TypeScript issues where you'll write like a backend function that's supposed to be typed on the front end as well. This is a rare kind of definitely an edge case. But what hap what fixes that for you is you literally restart the TypeScript compiler. You can, you know, command palette on VS Code and type in restart TypeScript, and usually restarting it will fix it. If you're seeing a red squiggly that you know should not be a red squiggly, try to restart your TypeScript compiler. That's my recommendation. Is that a is that a bug or yes, bug. Okay. Bug that they are working on. They have they have they know about it. It's just it's hard for them to reproduce because it is an edge case. Okay. I'm just thinking in terms of the junior getting that squiggle, you'd be like, what did I, like, you'd be questioning, yes. what did I do wrong over what did type, TypeScript do wrong? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So like your, your, your reasoning should always be like, okay, what did I do wrong? Let me just quickly check. If you can't figure it out in a little bit of time, restart the TypeScript, uh, uh, compiler. Okay. okay. And that, and then if it's still wrong, then you know, okay, you're still, you're still wrong. Like the, the restart only takes like seconds. It's not like a whole thing. I did want to mention something too. So, like you've gone over the basics now and I'm still an outsider. I want to be clearer. So I'm not making any sort of hard decision, but I definitely kind of get why people would get annoyed at type inference because it, it TypeScript is, is sort of one of these things where it almost sounds to me again, as an outsider that we're trying to clarify stuff and make it more strict, if you will, where we're trying to say, no, this is a number and this is a string and having inference adds a level of well that should be a string it's like should be or is it i don't know so it's not should be or is it in in an inference scenario it's whatever it is so an inference is like if you're returning so if you don't declare a return type on a function mm -hmm. okay but at later on in that function you return hello Mm -hmm. It will automatically assign the string type to the return when you hover over that function without you having to like put a colon string. Okay. Where it gets hairy and where it gets a little bit more complicated is let's say your function is 200 lines long mm -hmm. and you have three different return statements, right? So the return statements can all return different types. Now, it will show you the different types that can be returned, but it will be kind of messy. And without going through and reading all that TypeScript stuff, like the, the hover over stuff, you won't know exactly what it's returning as quickly as if you just had it in a colon, whatever. Okay. At the top of the function. Right. So it's not that it's returning. It's not going to tell you that it's returning the wrong type in a type in for a situation. It'll, it's just one step away. Like you have to hover over to see. It's not as clear. That's what I was thinking more and more in terms of glanceability. So you, you have an example here in the show notes that literally says like, let my name equal Mike. Mike is in quotes. So that means that the uh, variable my name will be inferred as a string. That makes sense. But it would be pretty nice to 
for it to have the word string there or something just for glanceability i can see where again as an outsider i'm already sort of generating opinions i can definitely see where typescript for people that know what they're talking about and use it a lot uh, i can definitely see where they get their um get the get the divides in the community i suppose you could say where there are arguments there there are sort of like no it should be like this i could definitely see where those lines and how those lines get drawn Absolutely. And that's that's exactly where the line gets drawn is like, yeah, I want I want better glanceability. I want this to say exactly what it is without me having to run it through a TypeScript compiler and stuff like that. Like it's just I, I get the the arguments. I just I don't care as much about that stuff as I do about just the autocomplete. I I'm in it for the autocomplete, <laughs> if I'm perfectly <laughs> honest. That's what I'm there for. I wanted to I want to be able to write code faster and in a way that's not dangerous. So those those are the things that I want. And that's what inference gives me. So I'm good with that. Yeah, I sacrifice a little bit of glanceability. I'm okay with that for the speed. Okay, so now that we've got the TypeScript basics down, obviously there's still a ton more to cover and we'll, uh, you know, maybe have future episodes on TypeScript. I'm thinking I will probably write a blog post on it soon, maybe even do some videos because I am getting more and more into it. But Let's break down, do you need to know it? So the question from this episode is, do you need to learn TypeScript in 2023? I've already answered that with a yes, but why yes and where is the line, okay? So TypeScript has started to become a standard in the web development space. If like five or six years ago, there was a fight between TypeScript and CoffeeScript and Flow and all these other typing systems for JavaScript, there is no longer a fight. There is other options still, you would not locked in to TypeScript, but from every job posting that I went through before this podcast episode that required intermediate to senior, even mostly junior too, there was only a couple that I could find that were JavaScript only, all of them mentioned TypeScript in the job posting, okay? So TypeScript is becoming the de facto standard in, a web, in the web development typing space. If you're looking for a job, it might be a good idea to dive into TypeScript. Maybe take a short course. Again, I'm going to link a course from Matt Pocock. He's probably has one of the best courses out there. Uh, and then try to convert one of your existing JavaScript portfolio project to TypeScript. Because a lot of times when you're getting into a, a legacy code base, when you're getting into a job, some of your work might be that, like converting their old JavaScript stuff to TypeScript. I've had to do that. I know a bunch of people that I've talked to have said that they've had to do that because that's where the industry is going. So they want to, people want to convert their old stuff to TypeScript to make it a little bit more maintainable. So it's a good practice to do. It's something that you can easily talk about during an interview process of like, Hey, I converted this project to TypeScript. This is my challenge. These are the challenges that I had. This is what I liked about it. This is what I didn't. It's, it shows that you know, like, you know what you're talking about at that point. You should not try to learn all the ins and outs of TypeScript before applying to a job. I mentioned a lot of different things here. These are just the, the the basics. Even then, I would say that like as long as you get a good handle on static typing, type inference, a little bit on classes and interfaces, just know about them and how they're formed because like some jobs need it, some jobs don't. And then a little bit touch on generics, just to just know that they exist and maybe do one or two examples with them. As long as you're good with that, you're good with static typing especially and you understand how to use the benefits of TypeScript, that's enough to start jumping in and applying for jobs that have TypeScript in the title, okay? Writing type files and stuff like that, like 
that's all you really need to do. You don't need to get into these custom type declarations of like the nth degree because the problem is, is that yes, you can do it and that'd be great, but each and every project is going to require very different specifications on what they want typed. And the best way to learn is to literally do it in a project setting with like a team. And usually they'll have their own, you know, review process and their own documentation for it. And employers usually know this. They, they're okay with you. Like, as long as you understand the basics of TypeScript, they're okay with teaching you the other parts that you're going to need for their specific project. Okay. So that's what I, I highly recommend not to like, you know, spend. I, I don't know what's a good like indicator of you're spending too much, but if you're spending, I say more than like 20% or 30% of your day that you could be spending, uh, learning how to program further and building out your projects further on TypeScript, you're probably doing it wrong. Well, this might be the time for me to jump in because I, I was going to ask you a question at the end of this segment, uh, but it kind of seems like the appropriate time. And so I'm working on, just to give everyone some context, I'm working on the next episode of uh, Full Stack Struggles, the second episode of that. And so I'm diving back into my uh, Svelte kit learning and I'm learning to make that passive income app. Um, if you don't know what that is, go check out the first episode of Full Stack Struggles. Uh, on our podcast feed. But, you know, in that journey, I'm not going to touch TypeScript. Like, straight up, I'm not going to touch TypeScript. I want to learn sort of the, uh, the, the the Svelte and the Svelte kit sort of mechanisms. Uh, I'm learning some other things like the full stack, uh, like touching APIs and those type of things. Those are all kind of new, newer to me, um, having come from the background of like building the, the small to medium business client sites with Webflow and WordPress and uh Couch CMS and those type of things. And so the question I suppose is, is, is TypeScript something that you would, or I guess, where would you add TypeScript's learning into someone's learning? We, you know, we always talk about like learning the, the pillars, the HTML, the CSS, the JS. Let's just say you're not coming from something like a C sharp programming or a, another object oriented. Let's just say you are a complete beginner. You learn your three pillars, as we say, the vanilla pillars. Now what? Now what do you do? Well, we always say, well, go to the, you know, go to React or go to whatever based upon whatever your goal is, like a job listing that you want. They say, hey, you need to know a bunch of Svelte and Svelte It's like, okay, we'll go practice some Svelte and Svelte type thing. So with all that being said, you know, where does TypeScript come in? Because I'm already struggling personally with the line between you know, where is, where's the line between, you know, my JS and my Svelte kit. That line is further obscured by the fact that I'm personally rusty at JS because I don't touch it every day. So trying to learn or relearn things that I've forgotten about JS and then have that sort of be flipped on its head and say, no, no, that's a mechanism in SvelteKit. Adding TypeScript just sounds like it's going to be another thing that's going to be a disaster. It's a good, it's a really good question. And it's going to very much depend on the person and where you're at in your journey. Um, let's, so let's talk to you specifically, Matt. Uh, would I recommend you to add TypeScript to your Svelte kit journey right now? No, I would not recommend it. I know where you're at. I know where your headspace is at, uh, in terms of motivation. I think it's more important for you to find the balance between the motivational side of things, like actually being able to tolerate learning Svelte kit. And the actual like perfect, perfect path, right? So the, 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 the balance there for you is, I think, not to jump, throw TypeScript on top of the pile. 
And that might be the balance for a lot of people out there, right? Like you have to understand your own psyche, your own self, how you want to approach this. A lot of times I will recommend for people that are confident in their JavaScript skills, when they jump into something like React or SvelteKit or Svelte or whatever, like or Vue, um, maybe that's the time where you start to enable TypeScript and start getting the benefits of the type inference and stuff like that. Maybe you don't write static types at that point, but at least have it on for the purposes of autocomplete and maybe getting past a few of the hurdles uh, if something goes wrong, like you put in the wrong thing into the wrong function, right? Just getting your feet wet there. But it does add a level of complexity. Even with just having it on, there is an additional little bit of cognitive load where you have to know that, hey, this isn't a JavaScript thing. Like it's the red squiggly isn't saying that, hey, my function doesn't work. It's saying that I put the wrong type in, right? Like you have to understand that you have to make that connection. There is the sense, the other, the other part of like their compiler is constantly running. If you're running on a really, really, really old computer, um, that's another, that's another thing that might tax your computer too much. So if you're learning on a, you know, a netbook, from 2009 right now, TypeScript Holy. might not be an option for you. There, there's a that's, phrase I haven't heard in friggin' years. Yeah, but like that's the reality of the situation where like it's it's always going to be a balance and you have to understand your own psyche to know when to add it. The ideal path in my mind is, yeah, you're learning, you've, you've got your JavaScript basics, you're learning a framework, you might as well tack on TypeScript there. But that might be detrimental to a lot of people out there, including you, Matt, right now, in my mind, right? So I would, for, for you specifically, I would get a little bit comfortable in SvelteKit to the point where you know how to debug it, not perfectly, like you don't know everything about SvelteKit. You just know that, hey, I, I can figure this out now. Like I can, you know, if, if something goes wrong, I can look at the docs or I can Google it, whatever, I can figure it out. At that point, that's when I would start your next project in TypeScript, probably. So it, we're, we are kind of, and I guess we've have discussed this in the episode, but we are giving TypeScript a pretty high priority level. Yes. Then right now, yes, that because like especially for people that are getting into the field to get a job, and this is my next point right here, right? If you're getting into the field for getting a job, TypeScript is what employers are looking for right now. Like that's just. Like if you look at their job postings, and that's what I always recommend is go to your local job board, Indeed, LinkedIn, whatever, and see what's out there a lot. Like I'm going to tell you right now, most of them will mention TypeScript in one way, shape, or form. It might not be like required. It might be recommended or whatever, but it's becoming an industry standard. So your goal, depending on your goals, it's something that you might have to learn no matter what. As a as an additional kind of comment or something, uh, a conclusion that I'm kind of I'm not drawing a conclusion. I'm kind of like getting an impression. Maybe is the addition of TypeScript isn't you know like a really huge step necessarily, but the addition of all these things on top of the vanilla learning really to me is solidifying the opinion that's out there that full stack development is dead. True full stack development is dead. And when I say true, true full stack development, I mean, you're not a front end developer that is using a whole bunch of APIs to execute back end tasks, which yes, you could say that is technically the, the definition of a full stack developer now. Um, maybe true full stack developer is not the right way to say it. 
But when I, when I say that, I'm not trying to poke fun or anything. I'm talking about someone who can quite literally, let's just use WordPress as an example, go in, write everything in PHP, which is a backend language, a vanilla backend language, largely considered a vanilla backend language, can write a whole bunch of stuff in PHP, understand how to get the server running, understand how to maintain the server, get that all up and going, and then also go do all the styling and do all the interface uh, creation and have that interface uh, dynamically get populated uh, to the extent that it has to from a database of some sort, usually with backend code like PHP. And I would say that, you know, maybe in the days of just WordPress um, and the earlier days of WordPress, especially that was more, more possible. But would you say Mike, that it, the, the full stack that I just said, I'm, I'm calling a true full stack. That's I'm not trying to label it that, but like a true full stack where someone's literally going in and coding in each of these individual languages is that dead because we're adding so many layers it's like i'll oh, just learn typescript i ah, just learn svelte ah, i just learn you know, react and then it's like well that but that's only that's only front end it's like well hang on what and then it's like well make sure that you understand how servers work and hd access files and then make sure your database is good and you might need a load balancer and you might and it becomes this sort of and we've talked about this several times but is this what do you think? Is this is this like another thing that's like, hey, you need to, you know, you need to be a you need to know TypeScript. This is going to be a critical part of the front end developers toolkit. How feasible is it to know all this stuff and then also know a whole bunch of back end code and server infrastructure stuff, at least at least surface level server infrastructure stuff, because you can rent servers from a company that will manage all the actual hardware. It's. It's really tough to answer. I, I think what, what you're what you're saying as full stack is traditional full stack, I would say. Okay. Because that's how it was before, like uh before the serverless revolution and before the ease of use of platforms like Vercel and Netlify. Not that they're perfect. There's plenty of issues with all those platforms, but with the new version of full stack and the new wave of serverless, edge compute, and microservice kind of system, um, it's become, I would almost say, much easier to be an actual, full, like a full stack dev that's not playing around with APIs, that's writing APIs manually. Just the cognitive load of not having to switch languages, like you're writing your APIs in the same language and sometimes even the same project structure mm-hmm. as your front end code, right? So you're writing your back end code in the same, maybe not the same, like sometimes even in the same file, but I'm against that, but like in the same, uh, you know, folder as your front end mm. code. Okay. That's become a lot easier and it's made full stack development with author auth and DB connections and everything like that. The tools that are out there right now have made all that like actually a lot easier. I personally, that's what I do now for a, like my, my job. Like I do that kind of full stack development, having to manage servers on top of that, having to write in a completely different code base, having to do all that. Yes, that adds a ton more that you have to know. And if you're up to date with your TypeScript stuff and your framework stuff and trying to stay up to date with your Go language or PHP or whatever, it becomes probably not feasible, which is why a lot of like traditional backend developers that want to dabble in full stack will not use that kind of system. They'll use something like Laravel, which also makes uh, 
you know, it uses Vue, but it also does a lot of the structuring for you for your front end. So you you have to learn Vue, but you don't have to learn too much on top of that. It You have to learn the UI side of things, but you don't have to learn too much on top of that. So you are mixing your PHP and your JavaScript, but Laravel is a really good framework at doing that for you. And again, it's a helper in almost every way in terms of like it helps you with deployment. It helps you with uh, security. It helps you with auth. It helps it like it has everything for you. Okay. So there's, there's ways that you can still be a traditional kind of full stack developer in today's world, but spinning up every component of your in like of your site separately as a solo developer and have not relying on the, you know, 10 years of progress that we've had in DevOps. Yeah. That's probably not feasible anymore. Like, or really logical. Um, I think if you're a really good server manager, that's probably going to take up a ton of your time. So you're probably going to, when you get to the front end, you're probably going to struggle and maybe use something like HTMX. We had the creator on our platform where you don't even have to write any JavaScript code. You're just writing like hooks essentially in your HTML that will call on your backend code that you're running in Go or PHP or whatever, right? Like, so there are these like in-between steps that allow traditional developers to dabble in the front end and, or not even dabble, but create fully f- featured applications without having to learn TypeScript and React and all that, right? And still make fully dynamic applications. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying, Matt. It's just like all the tooling that we've been given, all the developer experience, like the billion dollar companies that have been created out of developer experience in the last three to four years, like Vercel is a billion dollar company. That is proof that we're moving in a direction where like full stack development in general, even though you're tacking all this stuff on top of it, is becoming easier. Like like the definition of it has changed. The modern definition of a full stack developer is is, is different than what I was saying earlier. I Yes, but they can both accomplish the same thing is, is the kind of the idea. So in your in your day to day, not to get like too off topic, but like in your day to day, like I don't help you with your your work, you know, um, what is your. Do you ever go in and, and, and deal with the server and in what capacity, for example, like do you go in and go, OK, we need to like make sure that the RAM is is good or you know what I mean? Like, are you going down no. to the hardware level at all? Um, are you going down to how much memory is being used? Like, do you even touch that stuff anymore? Um, do you have any strength in that? I have like, okay. So with something like Vercel that runs all of your, uh, backend functions automatically, right? Like it doesn't, it, it's serverless in the sense that obviously it's still running on a server, but it's not telling you what server it's running on and you don't have control of that server. So I don't see the memory usage, but I do see the amount of backend being used. So if I'm, relying too heavily on a backend function and it's rate limited, like I have to deal with that in a certain way. Okay. So like I do still have to touch that stuff uh, in very like abstract form, but I don't have to get to the nitty gritty of like, Hey, this is running on this server and I need to allocate this amount of RAM. I need to, you know, uh, do load balancing on there. Like I don't need to do that in this kind of structure. Now, if we were to scale any application to, you know, a billion users that changes. Like you can't, like I, I could not run what I'm doing right now 
like in on Vercel for a billion users. That that's not a thing. Like I would have to go and do that on AWS or my own data center, right? Like I'd have to have spend. And then you have like teams upon teams upon teams of people managing servers, and you have teams upon teams of people managing the flow to the server and the, like the API networking. Creation. Yeah, yeah. Like you have every every department is firing on cylinders, but like hundreds of thousands of users. Like hitting hitting the platform at the same time, I could probably handle that on the platform that I'm building on right now. If that gives you like the scope of what it's capable of at the mm-hmm. moment without having to touch servers. Okay, because like I'm still like living in the world of oh my god, I got to go into my PHP INI file and mess around with how much memory I'm allocating to this, and then I'm messing with the HD access as needed to maybe allocate like you know usually it's a WordPress problem, and you're messing around with how much memory it can use, and you're trying to limit it as much as you can, but you also got to give it enough space, and uh, it's kind of a pain that way. It's not like super ridiculous, but um, it's just something that like I I'm still touching on a regular basis. And like, that's my sysadmin experience. But then obviously I'm lacking in this more modern, I guess you could say, experience. And, and then at the same breath, it's like I'm using WordPress, but I'm not a PHP developer. So it's this sort of. Well, web development is strange. It's very strange. Yeah, it's very strange. And you wear a lot of different hats in different times as well, like depending on what you're doing. So it is what it is. Like, um, depending on what you need, you have to put on a different hat and that's okay. But yeah, I don't thankfully do not have to touch servers pretty much at all anymore. And I am so happy about that. <laughs> um, but honestly, with that, I think we're good to go. Like we, we've covered TypeScript. Do you need to know it? Answer is mostly yes. Uh, the only, okay. So the only thing that I did want to kind of touch on is like, let's say you're using Let's say you're using development as a way to create your side project and your side project is like a side hustle where it's like a SaaS. You have an idea, you're creating something and you're getting people to pay you through the application. You're a solo developer, like you just want to get the idea out as fast as you can. Um, Do you need to know TypeScript in that scenario, right? Like, do you need to understand TypeScript? Do you need to use it? You're the only one that's going to be touching this application. Uh, The answer really is like, no, you don't. Like if you don't want to have that cognitive burden, if you're really comfortable in JavaScript, you've been using it for eight years. Do you like, yeah, probably not. Like this is your, your job is to create your own projects that sell stuff. Like it's, it will benefit you again with the autocomplete. Like I'd still recommend doing it, but it's not totally required. Like you're not trying to get a job. You're not trying to learn all the newest technologies. You're not trying to stay up to date. You're just trying to get the job done. You're trying, just trying to get what you need done. And if you're fast in type in JavaScript and you're good at it, then f- by all means, keep using JavaScript and hats off to you. That's it. So like, it's not a requirement for everyone to learn JavaScript all or TypeScript all of a sudden. Um, especially if you're just doing stuff and especially when you're initially starting out to learn as well. But it's not, Matt mentioned this, it's not also a terrible thing to like just learn it. It's not a huge task unless you're going for like nth complete learning. Like I need to learn this to the nth degree. Just throwing it into a project is not that much work and it's not that much, you know, it's not another level. It's not the same as adding svelte kits to your javascript right like that's a jump there's a whole bunch of crap you have to learn there typescript is not as crazy all right well that's uh that's our typescript episode 
Uh, I learned a lot. I hope you did as well. Uh, that's it. Sounds pretty crazy, and it sounds like something I'm going to be scared of <laughs> whenever I go to use it. But we'll uh, we'll see we'll see how it goes. Maybe that'll be a full. Maybe that'll be something in. Well, I was going to say it'll be in a full stack struggles, but I don't want to. We're not adding it to my first project, so it won't be in at least this the current planned series of of uh, one to four episodes of full stack struggles, at least according to the current plan. But anyway. If uh, if this sounds interesting to you and you learned something, you can come check us out on that Patreon. That's patreon.com slash HTML. The things you can support us on there, just like these fine people did with the three dollars tier. Ryan Gastro from Blue Black Digital on blueblackdigital.com. Tim from the Web Hacker on the webhacker.com. Bib Hashdash from Nine Block Media, nineblockmedia.com. Jason from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com. Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca. Magnus from Yesweb via yesweb.se. Jeff from Twitter via at the Jeff and Hale. Fire Ant Season via fireantseason.com. And Gunner Brunette via gunnerbrunette.com. Feel free to leave a comment or review in the platform you're listening to this on. And this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media. On Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.